0: Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to Connecting the Dots with Delro. I am your lovely host, Dylan Del Rosso, a.k.a. Delro, and I am here to help showcase the power of networking, both professionally and personally. On this podcast, myself and my incredible guests will share our stories on how the art of connecting has shaped our lives and careers. We'll share our successes, failures, embarrassments, tips and tricks, once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, and much more. What I'm getting at here is we're all here to connect with each other, genuinely. Doesn't sound that bad, right? Well, listen, you'll be hearing plenty of me, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome everyone. As you just heard on the intro, I am your host, Del Rowe. And today on Connecting the Dots, I am joined by the one and only cool Kel, Kelvin Joseph. Uh, CEO of Cool Kel Marketing and the second guest here on this podcast journey. Welcome, Kel. How are you, man? All good. I'm
1: happy to be here. And I'm ready to drop some gems on your audience.
0: Let's oh, man. I'm excited. We're excited to have you on the show. Um, of course, we, uh, we're we actually recording on the same day. We just released the first episode with a mutual friend, Luciani. And i um, excited to sit down with you. I have to just start by saying, um, every time I chat with you, which we're, we're newer friends, but every time we chat, I don't know, you got a great energy about you, man. It just I'm in a good mood. And I think I'm always in a good mood, but I get on the phone with Cool Kel and it's like a whole nother level, man. I'm not just saying that. So thank you for uh, you know allowing us to sit down and have this conversation. Excited to have you on the show. Um, so, Kel, let's get right into it, man. The first time I met you, I'm on LinkedIn, right? As I've already told everybody, that's my dojo. And I see Cool Kel. I'm like, all right, I got to know more. So let me just ask you, tell me a little bit more about what the cool is all about with a K, very important, and, and how you adopted the nickname Cool Kel.
1: Wow. Actually, Cool Kel was born in high school. I It was... Um... I guess I was coming out of my sophomore year of, of, of high school and becoming one of the upperclassmen. And, you know, at the end of the day, I wasn't necessarily one of the most popular kids. I had my group of friends. But I guess at some point I said, you know what? I'm just going to create this cool Kel persona and then everyone's going to just go with it. So one day I, I said, I'm cool Kel now. I'm not going by Kelvin. I'm cool Cal. And it stuck. And then people started not only calling me Cool Kel, they shortened the name and they would just call me cool. So imagine being in high
0: school and that your nickname is cool. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, listen, Kel, for anybody who I went to high school with who might be listening to this, they're already laughing because they know their nicknames for me were very very different from cool so uh listen self-appointed nicknames are the best ones and it sounds like you might have even gotten it on the first try now that's uh that's something to be said um i love it you are cool kel and my phone it it works man you nailed it um so and and I, we'll get more into this as we get into the episode and and really what cool it it cool is more than just this nickname and this persona you created for yourself you built a business around it and uh it's fantastic and one, is one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on the show here so of course the following the premise of the show connecting the dots right uh, where we're here to showcase the power of networking and how it's shaped our careers i wanted to start by asking you um At what point in your career, Kel, did networking start to click for you? When did it start happening naturally? When did you have that light bulb moment or was it not a light bulb moment? For me, I've never really believed in networking versus
1: relationship building. I feel like you always have to build awareness, likability and trust. Now, when I was younger in my career, I was always shooting for the top trying to meet with CEOs of companies and, and what I consider to be high-level VPs and things of that nature. And I don't think I really got it as a young person because a lot, think about it like this. If you are building a long-term career and you're trying to make relationships with people who are already on top, yeah. it, will get, it will get you some good names, good mentors and things of that nature, but you really can't do much for them. And even like a lot of people I built relationships with early in my career, they're kind of retired now. So I can't, it's not like, so I invested so much time gunning for the top. And I think a lot of young people do that. And it's like, okay, now I'm in my forties and all the people in their forties are like pretty much running things. So I should have probably spent more time in my younger career, like making friends with people on my level making friends with people that might have been two years younger than me, I was like so into my relationship building that it was like if you weren't like an executive at a company, I wasn't trying to network with you. And I think that's a major mistake. And I think that I'm I only recently started getting that and understanding that, listen, if you're a recent grad from school, one, if you want an entry level job, probably someone two years older than you will know how to help you with that better than a CEO of that company who has no idea what's going on at that level. So, so I would say, as it relates to me and networking, don't just aim for the people that are already sitting in the C-suite. Yeah. I recommend that young people that they make friends
0: with the people that are their age, that they can grow up together and run things. Absolutely. Kel, And you know, that's such a great point because I remember when I was a senior in college and I was about to graduate with my sport management degree and I wanted to go work for the New York Yankees. And that's the only thing I ever wanted. I remember being on LinkedIn in 2016. And I felt as if I was ahead of the game, reaching out to the, you know, president of uh, ticket sales at the Yankees or the manager, the hiring manager. Whereas, you know, you do ask enough people, you do get some, you know, some of those individuals on the phone, but to your point, by the time you're up and ready, they're gone. They're on to the next thing. So Mm -hmm. if I was in college at 21 years old, reaching out to the account executives, selling the Yankee tickets, that's where I would have really gotten my knowledge. So you make a great point. And I'm so happy you answered the question the way you did, because I asked Luciani the same question and and intend on asking future guests the same Question. because I think it's important. And when I spoke about this with Luciani, which again, mutual friend of ours, she said, and I quote, when I realized I was making friends for a living, that's when it all clicked. And, you know, I listened back to that and I'm like, that's that's the simplest way to put it. And, um, you know, there's nobody more fitting to have that conversation with than you. Again, it's your business model and we'll get more into that. but. Before we do so, Kel, I wanted to know, if you're up for it, I have a couple of rapid fire questions to throw at you just to get uh, my listeners and your listeners and more familiar with you, kind of strip it down a bit. You up for it? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So none of, this isn't like too crazy. You're not going to like be blown away. I'm not going to embarrass you. We'll see. But All right. Favorite athlete you've ever met? Magic Johnson. Not even a hesitation. Can you, all right. Well, I know these are rapid fire questions. Maybe we'll get back as to why it's Magic Johnson. All right. Um, Favorite sports teams. Do you have any alliances? New York
1: Knicks. It's my favorite team because uh, it's an abusive relationship and I can't
0: get out of it. (laughs) Okay. I love it. Listen, there's going to be a lot of Knicks fans listening. And uh, of course they would agree. I grew up in New Jersey Uh, resident so I was a New Jersey Nets fan when they were moving to Brooklyn for me they were kind of stinking at that time anyway so I dropped them like a bad habit you know I was like you're leaving Jersey I'm done with you but now listen if I need to get back on the bandwagon I got some jerseys coming to my house that's all I'm saying anyway all right best restaurant in New York City Del Frisco's no brainer I love that you're not the only person to say it for those who aren't familiar, Del Frisco's, what kind of cuisine? Uh, steaks and- um, it's a Steakhouse, yeah.
1: Best, best sides, you know, and, if, and they make a pretty good old
0: fashioned. Oh, that's very important. You're speaking, you know your audience, I love it. All right, on the food topic, but way more, way more whimsical. This is something I've seen online. Breakfast for dinner, yes or no? Yes, definitely. You know, people say your, your taste bites, they don't really wake up in the morning. And then the afternoon, that's why bacon, as good as it tastes at 10 a.m., way better at 6 p.m. All right, give me a song you know every word of. I would have to say zero,
1: no song. I'm notorious, I am notorious for passionately singing the wrong words to songs I love. I am the master of it. I am banned from singing in my house. I'm an I'm embarrassment to my wife and I am proud of it.
0: All right. That is the best answer I'll get on that question throughout the whole podcast journey here. Uh, last thing, and on a very relatable note, give me one thing you're looking forward to post-COVID, post-pandemic, whenever we do return to a hopefully new normal. I
1: would say a real vacation for my kids. There's a bunch of places that I wanted to take. I promised my daughter I would take her to to Paris. And um, she reminds me of that promise.
0: (laughs) There you go. Listen, Europe trip, it coming your way, 2021, 2022. I'll be looking for the pictures and the videos on LinkedIn. I know they'll be there. Um, So listen, thanks for for, uh, being a... um, Thanks, thanks for hanging in there through the rapid fire question. So um, getting more into the good stuff. So I want to talk a little bit about um, your early career, you know, and, and before having you on the show, of course, I got to do my homework and my due diligence. And, you know, I was on your website and I was reading about how early in your career you were hiding in roles that looked good on paper and, and, and going after a title, right? That kind of uh, mindset that you found yourself in. Would you mind sharing like what got you into that mindset and, and what got you out?
1: Well, I would say that I'm the first person in my family born in this country, first person to go to college. So it, it, I, I couldn't like go to college and just like find myself. I needed to get a job, right? So, so for me, I always thought of myself as a businessman, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I learned accounting was the language of business. I knew I wasn't going to be an accountant per se, but I knew like if I started with my my basis in accounting, that I would learn how to not mess up my money in my business and, and be successful. So I, I never thought of myself as an accountant, always a businessman. And I knew that at a very young age and- the reality of of that situation is is that when you're the first person in your family born in this country and the first to go to college, you're like figuring out a bunch of things on your own, right? right? So, you know, through uh, a wonderful organization called Inroads, I was able to secure a job at EY, the largest accounting firm in the world, when I was 19 years old, right after my freshman year. So that changed my goals a little bit because um, I was now exposed to all these elite people and, at a very young age, and the reality of it is, I became a CPA at 21. I, you know, I was able to become a controller, a CFO, a CMO, a COO, all these C-level titles. Um, run my own company, be named in Inc. Magazine, th- 30 of the top 30 entrepreneurs the same year as Zuckerberg. You know, resume building. You know, I yeah. don't know any better. I don't have nobody advising me. So. I was just collecting titles and, and and accolades because I'm competitive and and I was trying to win. But at the end of the day, happiness is success. And after you buy a house and maybe a car or something, there's nothing else to buy, really. I mean, you could you might want a bunch of things, but you definitely don't need them. And once you stop living, you know, for the material things, and you start thinking, what am I doing with my time? what impact am I making? Simon Sinek um, recently said, he's like, listen, like f- money is fuel for the car. It's, it's not the car. It's so not like, the car. so at the end of the day, if your whole life is based upon making money, that's a very sad life. So that's when I started getting it. And, um, know, I'm happy,
0: man. I love that. And, and, you know, You know me too. I love how you said, like, you know, I'm getting all these titles. You know me. I don't, I didn't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. And and I say the same thing to everybody I'm talking to now. There's, there's a level of that, that you're joking and part of it's serious, but it's like, listen, I'm the same way. I know nothing about anything. I know people, Mm -hmm. I have a passion for sales and I can, I learned how to connect the two things. And that's really how we end up here right now on this recording on this podcast. But you know let me talk to a, a little bit more about your early career so you mentioned you started your career in finance as a CPA you were specializing in luxury retail clients with EY for a number of years and and then i believe you joined the retail side of the business right with Saks Fifth Ave as a strategic consultant so I guess my question for you, you know, in those roles being different as to what you're doing now as a sports marketing agent, uh, you know, what life and, and career lessons did you learn from, from that part of your career and uh, why are they valuable to you now?
1: Well, the key thing to understand is that you have to specialize and you need to be an expert in whatever it is you're doing and you can know how to do a bunch of things, but people pay for your expertise in something particular. So I I, I have expertise in sports marketing, but my core job for my clients is to help their business grow, right? So they might not need me to put together a sports marketing event right now in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. However, they need their business to grow more than ever. So I'm able to give advice, but I've always been given that advice. So when I was a CPA, I was advising C-level executives. When I was at Saks Fifth Avenue, I was in a strategic group um, led by the VP of internal audit that reported directly into the CEO of a publicly traded company, the biggest luxury brand, you know, at the time, Saks Fifth Avenue. And I was giving them advice on how to grow the business and and how to manage costs and, and do different things. So I've been advising C-level executives my whole career. And now I'm specialized in helping people, you know, find their cool, you know, and, and build reliable, consistent revenue. Consistent, reliable revenue, quality of clients, and building relationships is what I'm helping companies do. And sometimes I use my sports marketing specialty and expertise, sometimes I don't, but I'm always right. cool, care.
0: Damn. All right. Put that on a tagline somewhere and send it off. That's incredible. You know, and uh, I I appreciate you sharing that. It's it's exactly what I expected you to say. And it's the truth. And it's the truth simply, you know, and, and when I was thinking about asking you this question, I started thinking to myself, you know, I'm only into my professional career four years or so and some change. Right. And, you know, in my first role, when I was at the university of Maryland, I was selling tickets to fans, you know, football tickets, Anything they had, you know. I look back and, and I was trying to think, what did I learn there? And for me, you know, for anybody who's getting into sales, maybe even specifically in sports sales, I learned that you can't knock the hustle, man. Right? Like building relationships, me and you can talk about that all day. That's a given. I got to be careful talking about that because that's all I talk about. We're gonna have repetitive podcasts. My point is, I learned you can't knock the hustle. I was making a hundred calls a day right out of college, and. And I learned also that hustle isn't just a race to the finish line, right? It's, it's working smart and hard simultaneously. So yeah, I was making 100, 120 calls, not for two years though, for four months until I figured out I can do this in 70 calls because I'm not getting on a race to 100 because that means I'm not focused on the connection. I'm just dialing 100 numbers, which anybody can do. So um, no, it's, I appreciate you sharing. And I wanted to share a little bit about my reflection when we were thinking about that. So much appreciated. So I want to get a little bit more into Cool Kel Marketing. So you help all different types of companies execute a a marketing strategy, right? And, And put it into play. So for me, and I have a general understanding of your business, but what's one of the first things that you're able to do Cool Cal and Cool Cal Marketing. What's one of the first things you're able to do and come in and produce results with? And, and and you know, I guess at the same time, what is it about your marketing strategy that makes it unique? The beautiful thing is is that I'm able to work with two types of
1: clients primarily: the very very big clients, like Fortune 1000 clients, and then smaller smaller businesses. I don't really work. That much in the middle with mid sized businesses, mostly big businesses, Fortune 1000, and then small businesses. Yeah. So that's really like almost running two companies because they all have different needs. So for my bigger clients, Fortune 1000 type clients, they want me to potentially put events together for them where I'm able to bring together an audience of decision makers. That could be, I could be using sports marketing. I might bring an athlete or I might bring some rock star CEOs that I know that would attract other C-level executives. And I bring together an event that makes the company look great and they get to build relationships in a non-salesy way with, with prospects. Um, so that's primarily what I focus on with very big companies. Now with, with smaller companies, they often have the same problem. they, Have an idea, but in order to take an idea into a business, you you need to have quality of clients and you need to have consistent, reliable revenue, which they don't have. They don't know where where their next dollar is coming from. So one of the things right off the bat I do with these smaller companies is I help them get a marketing strategy on one sheet of paper that details who is your target audience, what is your value proposition, and, and, and what do you got to offer? and for me valuable is something that is worth more than what I'm paying for it. It's it's not value. You're not giving me value by charging me for what I'm paying for. Like that's not value. That's just an exchange of money for, for goods and services. Value is when you're so good at what you do that the money is not even worth close to what the person's getting. That's valuable. Now that's cool. Now, so The reality of of that is is that companies, it's hard for them to deliver value if they're trying to please everybody. Don't try to be all things to all people. So let's get the marketing strategy on one sheet of paper. Second thing that I do is we're all in the relationship business. So I introduce them to my contacts. I We have a marketing strategy. I know everybody. I introduce them to my contact. That's immediate results for them. They can't get in contact with these people. Like the people I know and the people that not just know me, they like me. Awareness, likability, and trust. And then the third thing that I do immediately help them. I endorse them on LinkedIn, show them how to build their personal brand. Mm -hmm. These three things, as far as marketing strategy on one sheet of paper, strategic introductions and blow them up
0: on LinkedIn. I mean, they can't lose. They win every time. Can't lose, Kel. And I got to tell you, man, you know, uh, I love that you say, put it on one piece of paper. You know, part of my opinion on business in general is you have to oversimplify always, right? Hold the hand, oversimplify. So, talk about bringing value, putting a marketing strategy on one sheet of paper. Now, listen, anybody can do that, but there's the depth of it. You're able to, you, you're you able to take a 10 page and put it into one page. That's the value. And, and you're able to really give them this path that they can go down with you. Uh, the finish line being success. So, man, I love it. And, and you know, to add to that, and I want to give my opinion on the answer to you. And I think When simplified, you can start and end that with, you know, what makes you unique with being a good person, having genuine interest in other people's success, whether or not it's going to impact your own, like, (laughs) you know, you're a good person first. And since you're a good person, you're able to build a good business, you know, and I believe that. So what makes you unique? So many people either struggle to answer that or think they have the answer when, Really, it's, hey, I'm a good person, man. I'm trying to help. And I got a product. I happen to have a product or a service or friends that I can introduce you to that are going to help. And, you know, and that's it's, it's oversimplified. So I love your touch on that. Um, so here's another question for you. You're connecting a lot of the times you're connecting athletes to business, right? Whether it be through these events, sponsorship, content, etc. cetera. So when you're dealing with these top tier athletes and, you know, specifically the hard earned money of your clients, right. As well, how important is your credibility, your reputation, your trust? You know, we're talking about all these things. How important is that? The key thing to understand
1: is that when most people w- might give you the benefit of the doubt, but as soon as you violate that trust, it's almost like game over for you. So, Trust is so important, but you need to have awareness and likability before someone would even give you a chance to be trusted. So for me, my clients trust me to grow their business. Mm-hmm. They trust me to deliver them value. Now, when it comes to athletes, uh, oftentimes the biggest athletes in the world have several people around them. You know, um, Agents, marketing agents. Um, so most of them have like two, three agents, a manager, and all these things. Yep. And The reality of it is you can't just build relationships with the athlete. You got to build relationships with their whole team and where they trust you. and You understand what their needs are as well. So that's a key thing. But one of the things how I have done this successfully is I always view the corporations as my client. I never get confused to think that the athlete is my client. I'm paying the athlete to do something for my client, the corporation who is paying me. Whoever's paying me is the client, right? So yep. oftentimes I've done over 250 million uh, in deals with athletes in which I put money in their pocket. So I'm, I'm their client, yeah. <laughs> they're not my client. So right. at the end of the day, the corporations are looking for a return on investment. And sometimes you gotta be smart and you got to know what you're doing because uh, it was funny. One of my clients right before the pandemic, we were supposed to do an event and we were thinking about doing it with Patrick Mahomes and then the pandemic comes and the next thing you know, he signs like a good zillion dollar contract, making 50
0: million a year. I'm like, all right, we'll never get him. <laughs> just forget it. You, know? you thought you were getting in early and then it all had to just be <laughs> taken out from under you, man. Uh, That would have been a nice one. Hey, listen, there's still time. Patty Mahomes, if you're listening. Uh, (laughs) No, but um, no, it's incredibly important to me. And I think you answer it perfectly, right? Like, especially for somebody, um, you know, in my capacity, who's making introductions all day long, right? On the surface, you know, a lot of people think that, I introduce anybody to anybody else on a whim, right? Because I'm doing a a good amount of introductions weekly, monthly, whatever it is. But the reality is I'm attached to that person. Now, whoever I'm introducing both sides, if it doesn't go well, part that's partially going to fall on me. So they need to be a, a quality human being first. Mm -hmm. And if they're good at what they do, that's just the cherry on top. And then I can say, all right, we can do business. Or if I can't do business with you, I certainly have somebody who, who can, and I got them in mind. And intro's coming your way on LinkedIn now, right? Like that's it. So, um, No, I love it, I love it. So here's another question for you. Um, we're talking about credibility and your reputation. And you know, I don't wanna sound repetitive here and, and we'll see where this goes, but tell me about your specifically making friends first approach you know, and I saw that as part of your marketing concept, right? And, and you know, we're talking about it a lot. We're spending a lot of time on it, but there's a reason for it. So tell me a little bit more about making friends first and how you utilize that in your business.
1: Making friends before you need anything, that's, that's how you build real genuine relationships. So it doesn't matter how good your offer is. It doesn't matter how good the match is between your target and the value you're bringing to, to your target audience, if you rush the process, it ends up being sloppy. It's, it's more like dating than business. It's like, you know, if you walk into a bar and you're like, hey, you know, my name is Dylan and, um, you know, I'm ready to get married. It's like, you could be the perfect dude, but you're automatically creepy. And, and then, but that's usually what people are not asking for. They get <laughs> to the bar and they try to get the person home and, and they, they move too quickly and, and they come off sleazy. Yep. Oh my goodness. On LinkedIn. Oh my goodness. Oh, they're out there. They're oh out my there. goodness. Can you imagine you connect with some person and five seconds later, they send you a, 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 a pitch, you know?
0: It's, the cheesy pickup line
1: it's yeah. insane they come across as if we're in a bar and they're like hey baby uh you know i'm cool Kel. you know you cannot do this so me- making you- friends before you need anything is a necessity don't even ask me for anything until we like we be- become friends i don't even want to i don't even like let's say someone comes up to me and they're like they're like hey, Calvin, I've been following you on LinkedIn for like two years and I'm ready to do business. I want to hire Kucal Marketing. The first thing I say is, what? You've been following me on LinkedIn for two years? Did you know that I respond to every message? Do you know that I respond to every comment that someone makes? You haven't even hit the like button in two years. What's wrong with you? You want to do business with me? You haven't even hit the like button one time in two years. And you are not me. What are you following me? You stalking me?
0: What's up? <laughs> Kel, you, oh man. You know, I can't say this. Like I can't, I'm not confident enough to say it. I'm happy you did. You're totally right. I love how you make the analogy of like in the bar, right? So our LinkedIn, I could pull up my messages right now. And I have those copy and pasted messages that everybody's getting. And that's like, equivalent to like that, like the bartender sliding a drink in front of you and said, this is from that creepy guy over at the other side of the bar. It's like, you know, meanwhile, somebody who comes up to you and maybe taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, listen, Kel, you're awesome. I've been following you. Let's talk, tell me more. Totally different. So um, I love that answer. I love that take. And I'm so excited I'm not the only person who gets fired up about this stuff. So um, listen, Kel, I wanna ask you, and we're we're nearing the end here, um, but you know, one thing that I think is incredibly important and, and follows what we're doing here with this podcast and really connecting the dots. So one thing I wanna ask you is who are you looking to connect with next? You know, it's been so exciting. Um, just
1: running KUCAL cool marketing and and the different diversity of people that I'm able to help. I just found as though I'm looking for business relationships in which I can help drive revenue. So even though it's KUKAL cool marketing, I don't really believe in marketing in a traditional sense of it. Uh, I'm more focused on business development. I like to tie myself to to sales. So yeah. it's almost like I want to talk to revenue leaders, uh, CEOs of companies that are responsible for feeding mouths that need to grow their their sales um i don't want to do no just straight up branding for the branding sake you could build i got i want to help build personal brands and things of that nature but i just want to help grow your revenue i'm not interested in, in in talking and blowing smoke most most cmos at companies are gone in two years because they got all these ideas like listen we need to grow the business so everybody is, 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 is making the money they want to make. But at the end of end of the day, it's not about just making the money. So, but for me though, I, I am the type of person where when I'm in my when I was in my twenties and I left the biggest accounting firm in the world to become a shoe salesman with my wife. <laughs> right? We didn't know that that ten thousand dollars was going to turn into a multi million dollar business. But we knew that no one no one helped us and we needed help and when the whole economy went down in a great recession we didn't get a bailout okay I had to my wife fired me from the family business and then I had to go back to corporate America you see now as an entrepreneur now again 10 years later I'm trying to help executives get past their fears
0: and get everything that they deserve Absolutely incredible, Kel, and, um, you know, I'm thinking back already, I'm only two two episodes in, but between yourself and Luciani, we are just driving home the fact, intentional or not intentional, we are driving home the fact that it's, listen, give first. People will want to help you. And I love that the fact that you've been in business this long and you've been on that roller coaster, you've been on the ups and downs, you've been through recessions, plural, you know, like... It props to you, Cool Kel. You are the man. I don't know what else to say. You've been absolutely fantastic. I know our listeners are gonna love to hear what you have to say. And listen, I'm calling you out on it. You said it, you heard it here in this show. The man does not turn down a message. So reach out, all right? He is happy to help, as am I. Cool Kel, thanks so much for being on Connecting the Dots, man. You're the best.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And I wanna tell all the listeners, Think big, but follow through on your promises and allow your humility to exceed your great ability. That's Cool Kel Marketing, baby. Awareness, likability, and trust. Let's go. Mike. drop. Thanks, guys. More information on Cool Kel and his company, Cool Kel Marketing, can be found at coolkel.com.